Hi, and welcome to On the Blue Couch. I'm Kathleen coming to you from my couch in my office in Lakeview, an area of Chicago. This podcast provides information, inspiration, and reflections on all things that happen within us and around us to live today and fully. This is episode six, Bloom Yoga, interview with Carrie Mallorca. Hi, all, and thank you for listening to this episode six. Yes, we're going to be talking about yoga today, and not only about, but we're going to be talking with Carrie Mallorca with Bloom Yoga Studio, uh, which is in the Chicago area. And so I want to provide you just with some information uh, before we move into that interview. As you know, we have been talking a lot lately about chronic stress and this idea that we do know that we're stressed, but we tend to have this kind of stuckness um, or challenging time moving into action and actually engaging in good self-care and doing things even for a short amount of time, things that can make a difference uh, in our daily lives. So as you know, part of the vision of this podcast is to provide you with information and inspiration around all things that happen within us and around us. And with the goal of living today and fully. And so what I mean by today is in the present, to be with ourselves and others moment to moment. So moving away from the rumination and constant worry, or even the fantasizing about the future. And so I believe that Carrie supports this vision, and therefore really wanted to talk to her more and have her share some of her insights. Okay, so to give you some context here, Carrie Mallorca and her husband, Zach Mallorca, both own Bloom Yoga Studio in Lincoln Square, the area of Chicago, and they are approaching their 10-year anniversary of Bloom Yoga opening its doors. So for Chicagoans, come out November 22nd in the time that they're going to be celebrating. Uh, The event itself is November 22nd, which is a Saturday at 7 o'clock at Bloom Yoga Studio. Uh, You can check it Check out uh, their website, bloomyogastudio.com, and we'll have all the event information or on my website, onthebluecouch.com. So anything that you hear about today that is a resource or a reference will be um, on my website, um, and you can get more information on their website. So in addition to being the founder and director of Bloom Yoga Studio, uh, Carrie is also an experienced registered yoga teacher, a registered prenatal yoga teacher. Uh, She's also a writer, and you can check out her blog, Thinking Yogi. Um, So Carrie does have a great deal of experience. She's been teaching yoga since 1998. And if this were a business podcast, I think she'd be a great person to interview as well. Uh, But since it's not, we will focus on uh, her expertise around yoga. So moving on, I just want to share the mission with you of Bloom Yoga, and it is inspiring people to be happier and healthier in daily life through a welcoming and accessible approach to yoga. What a beautiful statement and mission, and so I thought this would be a good place to start uh, in the interview, and so I will share our interview from last week. We sat down in my office um, and had a really great conversation about all things mindfulness, meditation, and yoga. Please enjoy. 
how did you create this kind of mission statement? Like, where did that come from? Well, I think the big focus for us was really the daily life part of it and mm -hmm. making yoga something that isn't so exotic or intimidating mm -hmm. because I started teaching and I got so into yoga, loved it so much, and it made me feel so good physically and mentally and emotionally, mm -hmm. and I wanted to share it with my family and my friends. Mm -hmm. I often found people would think that they were not fit enough or flexible enough or that like they couldn't burn incense so that maybe they couldn't do yoga that uh -huh. you know all of these things that people have misconceptions about what yoga has to be mm -hmm. and so really what i wanted was to make yoga available to anybody who wanted it uh -huh. regardless of what level of fitness you are what level of experience you have and also if you just want it to be part of your everyday life you don't want to have to change who you are mm -hmm. to do it Okay. Are there any other misconceptions, just talking about misconceptions, that you think are out there, that you think are important for people who especially haven't walked into a studio? Yeah, I think that a lot of people don't know that yoga is more than the poses. Mm -hmm. So what you see when you look at a yoga magazine or when you see yoga depicted in commercials or movies is you see people doing poses, and often really hard ones, like mm -hmm. where they're balancing on one hand or they have a leg behind their head. Um, the poses are one part of this whole system. So yoga is a system for mind-body health, and the poses, the physical practice, is just one part of it. Mm -hmm. Yoga begins with uh, the way we think about how we are in relation to ourselves and to others. So there's this whole system of ethical guidelines that you kind of consider to think about how to be in harmony with yourself and with others. Then there's the physical practice, but there's also breathing techniques. Anybody can breathe, so anybody can do that aspect of yoga as well. Mm -hmm. And what a lot of people also don't know is that meditation is a core part of the system of yoga. Okay. Yeah, and so how do you think meditation fits in there? I know you're talking about breath. Um, I think it's, yeah, it's the truth. Is there any part of it that, um, like how would you say it's integrated into yoga? Well, I think yoga is kind of like what you were mentioning about not thinking about the future, not thinking about the past. This was something that was a real challenge for me. I really discovered this when I went to yoga. I never knew how much time I spent thinking about the past or about the future. I mean, it was kind of remarkable. I was doing my first teacher training and it kind of dawned on me like, wow, I'm never here. I'm always in my mind, you know, wishing for something or wishing I was back when I was a kid and everything was so great and I was playing on my block or something. Mm -hmm. um, but Yoga is about mindfulness. It really is. It's about paying attention. And so all the things you do in yoga, whether it's breathing or postures or meditation, is a practice of bringing you into the present moment instead of getting lost in your thoughts. Mm -hmm. And so that's really where the meditation comes in. And in some, sometimes you can describe meditation in yoga as meditation in movement. So when you're practicing poses and conscious breathing, there is a meditative quality to it. Mm -hmm. And then there's also the practice of meditation where you would take a seated posture or perhaps a reclining posture, close your eyes, and you know use a variety of techniques to help just observe your thoughts. And I think the big misconception about meditation is that it's about stopping your thoughts. And that's not possible. Our brain's job is to think. So, you know, that's certainly not what we're trying to do. It's just about getting to know yourself better and trying to slow down a little bit. 
Mm -hmm. So somebody coming onto the mat for the first time, what would you recommend for them to be in that present moment? Like, is there anything they could say to themselves or hmm. maybe focus on on the floor? Well, I think the first thing is make sure you're in the right class. You know, if you go to a class and you're brand new, and especially if you're feeling a little intimidated, you need to make sure you're not walking into an advanced class where people, everyone knows the deal and they're going to go real fast because it's going to be hard for you to have a nice uh, calming experience if everyone knows it and you're struggling. Mm -hmm. So the first thing is make sure you find a class that's appropriate for people who are newer to yoga and that the teacher knows how to modify because sometimes people try yoga and they think, oh, it totally wasn't for me because it hurt, it was hard. And sometimes if you prop up a pose or set it up differently, it can be great for you even if you are more restricted in terms of movement. Mm -hmm. And then once you get there, I think it's really important to remember that yoga is not about achieving anything. It's not about mastering the pose that the teacher's telling you to do. It's not about comparing yourself to the people around you. It's really just about being there and doing what you can do in that moment, on that day, with that breath. Mm -hmm. And I think if you can remind yourself that you know, the goals are different. Like it is not an outcome driven practice. It's not a competitive practice. It mm -hmm. is really about doing it and being there. Mm -hmm. So for somebody who's an athlete, I know that you have played many sports. Remind yeah. me a little bit of what you've Oh yes. Played. Sports, that was a big part of my childhood. And yeah. still to, to this day, I, I love sports. I love the competitive part of it. I played softball and basketball and volleyball and tennis and, you know, everything, mm -hmm. gymnastics. I kind of just loved loved being active and I think when I found yoga I that physical part of the practice really resonated with me right away but then I as I continued I discovered that there was something beyond the physical that was really amazing mm -hmm. um, but yeah I think that the competitive part of sports as a person who grew up as a competitive athlete mm -hmm. that was the part of me that had to that took time to sort of evolve with yoga because I started out and my focus was kind of like, look how awesome I am. I can balance here and I can do this deep backbend because I'm, you know, been doing it since I was four in gymnastics class. Um, and I think that that part of yoga can be challenging if you do come from an athletic background mm -hmm. to understand it is not about competing, even though there is, you know, there people do have, you know, a sense of physical prowess when they can do a really cool pose. Yes. Um, but that's, you know, that is a great way to get lost in it and to turn it into something that is probably not going to be that helpful for you. <laughs> mm -hmm. I know I've sometimes, I'm sure we've all experienced at some point, but seeing that kind of the competitive look or the, the strain on someone's face. Yeah. Um, how would you recommend moving from competitive into present mind? Mm. I think the breath is the key. I would mm -hmm. say with everything with yoga, when you notice what your breath is doing, you learn a lot about where your mind is. Mm -hmm. So um, if you're pushing yourself to, a real, to get into a really deep pose, mm -hmm. you will often find your breathing gets super shallow and it's okay. very restricted. And that is your body's signal to say, you're probably going a little too far. Mm -hmm. But it also tells you where your mind is. You know, when you start to concentrate really hard, you begin to tense up muscles, your breaths can get kind of short. When you're very relaxed, that's when your breath is really deep. Like if you watch a baby sleeping, you know, their breath is so deep and their belly breathing and all of these things we try to recreate now as adults in yoga class, babies do naturally. But, you know, when you find yourself getting over feeling overexerted, you know, your muscles are working too hard, your breath is, is short, that's your first clue that you've gone a little bit past maybe what is right for you that day. Mm-hmm. I had wanted to ask you in the beginning, and um, what? How would you define yoga? I know we're talking about yoga, but like if yeah. you were to give somebody just a simple 
definition of what yoga is, what would you say? Well, I think it's really, you can think of it as a way of looking at health of the mind and of the body. And it's, it's a kind of a whole practice or system. So um, in the tradition of yoga, which you know, originated in India but had many different influences uh, on it, mm-hmm. there are eight limbs of the practice. So if you think of it as a tree and there's these eight different branches and they all kind of make up what we would call yoga. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the, what I was referring to earlier, kind of the ethical guidelines, these are the first two limbs, this idea of before you can do anything, you know, you need to make sure you're being, you're non-harming, you're not harming yourself or others. You need to be truthful to yourself. Some of the principles there, they apply to you in regular life, but they really apply on the mat, especially those two. Those are kind of the key ones I always work with my students on. You know, if you're really striving to get to a pose, but you're you're sacrificing form to do it, mm-hmm. then you need to look at truthfulness and non-harming and see what you're doing. Um, so there are those kinds of ideas about how do I relate to myself and then how do I relate to others? And some of the other themes there are, you know, how to kind of keep your body healthy and clean, how to feed it well, how to rest well, how to treat yourself well, mm-hmm. you know, observing your thoughts and how you um, talk about others and speak and speak with others. Then, you know, you have these, the, the poses themselves. And as you get deeper into yoga, you go deeper into this more subtle layers of being. So you start with the gross, which is the, the body, the physical. So when you first start yoga, the first thing you'll do is really, um, you know, be told not to, not to push, not to strain. But then you're going to be get guided into poses. So those poses will build strength and they'll be, build flexibility. And then you'll work with breathing. And this will help to promote calm and relaxation. And then as you kind of become more comfortable in your body, that enables you to become more comfortable in your mind. Because that's really what yoga is about, what the poses are about. Mm -hmm. If you are a person who is very physically uncomfortable, it's really difficult to be at at ease mentally. Mm -hmm. And that's like the main purpose of the poses, to make sure you keep your body, your vehicle healthy, so you can then function in a really nice, normal, happy way. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So what are some of the classes that you offer um, I know that there's a whole range of them, mm-hmm. um, so I'm just interested in hearing about the differences and maybe some of the similarities. Okay, great. Yeah, yeah we have over 60 classes that we offer each week and where mm-hmm. people can just come and take a class, see what it's like. And I would say our specialty is really when people are new to yoga, we love that. We love working with beginners, mm-hmm. and I've hand-selected all of our instructors at the studio so that I know that they understand healthy alignment, they understand how the body works, and that they know how to help students with props, like we use blocks or straps or blankets, things that make a pose easier to do well. Mm-hmm. And so that when a student comes in and they have um, maybe a restriction, you know, they're, maybe they're a runner, they've never really done yoga before, but they've wanted to, but their, their legs are very tight because they're so strong. Mm-hmm. Or maybe someone comes in with a back injury or um, some neck strain. You need to know how to modify those poses to make them work. So we love working with beginners. And we have a whole series that is dedicated to beginners. It's called Yoga 101. Okay. And it's four weeks where you are introduced to all the basic poses. And it's just a great way to understand like what is this thing called yoga I've seen it in the movies and I've seen it on magazines but what is it and then we also offer classes on kind of a more drop-in basis where we have level one all the way up to level um, one two and level two classes so we have more active classes where you're going to be building strength you're going to be developing flexibility and kind of getting a more vigorous sort of a, a practice 
Some of the poses are held, where you stay in the pose for a while and then you work with the breath. Sometimes you're moving fluidly. The sun salutation is a movement and breath combination. Uh-huh. And then my, um, we also offer a variety of classes for families. So we have prenatal yoga classes and classes for parents and young children. Mm-hmm. We have um, kids-only classes, and then we also have family classes. So we have a really wonderful program. And we always like to say it's like from birth on up, you can be doing yoga. And some of the kids in our kids' yoga classes were in prenatal classes in their mom's bellies. So that's pretty cool. Because uh, my next question was going to be, how, what's the youngest? Yep. Uh, you can pregnant, <laughs> pregnant yoga. Yeah. <laughs> right. And then babies come when they're about six weeks old. And that's you know when the mom gets clearance to go back to doing physical activity. Mm-hmm. And I'd say my favorite thing that we've offered, and we, we started offering it, you know, not right, we hadn't offered it at the beginning, but it was something that evolved based on what our students really were wanting to do and, mm-hmm. you know, what, what we found was really needed. Again, like you're saying, stress is not going away. Mm-hmm. And we were seeing that too, where people come in and they're just, when you'd ask them, I, you know, as a teacher, I say to my students at the start of class, you know, how are you today? Is there anything you're hoping to work on or anything that's sort of bugging you? And I started to hear more than anything else, you know, oh, my mind, like my mind is just racing or I had a really stressful week at work and mm-hmm. all of these things that I, I realized we were sort of shifting from physical needs to physical and, and mental emotional needs much more prominently. So we started offering gentle yoga classes. And so gentle yoga is a practice that is somewhat active, but much more restful than a a typical kind of a level one or mixed level class. Mm -hmm. So gentle yoga is a lot of poses on the floor and um, they tend to be focused on slower moving poses and on therapeutic ways to help relieve common discomforts like back and neck pain. And these are some of our most popular classes now and, and a great passion of mine personally. I teach a weekly gentle class and it's like my favorite thing in the world. I, I love it because it gives everybody a chance to be very quiet and to, to have practice being still mm-hmm. and to just know that you know, it, life's not always about doing. It's not always about busyness. It's mm-hmm. really important. Mm-hmm. So for someone who's getting in touch with themselves, like really starting to be mindful and be present. I know that sometimes there can be uncomfortable feelings and Mm -hmm. that's just part of it. So I know that some people encounter those and it can be really frightening. So what would you recommend for someone who is starting to encounter the not so comfortable feelings Mm -hmm. on the yoga mat? That is a great question. I think that when you first start to get quiet if you haven't been used to being quiet it can be very it can make everything else loud so when you start to get in you're in a class and you're still and you're quiet your thoughts become very loud and sometimes they're very judgmental thoughts sometimes they're self-defeating thoughts and it can be like you are shouting at yourself in your head this was what i experienced when i first started yoga i definitely found that voice in my head got really loud and it was challenging. I think that what you want to do when you're kind of feeling bombarded by that or overwhelmed or you're, you're worried about that kind of quiet place is to give yourself something else to focus on. And so the breath is a great tool for that. And sometimes in yoga class, we'll offer a specific breathing technique. And by directing your your mind on, okay, well, now I'm going to inhale for a count of four and exhale for a count of four. Those thoughts might still pop in, 
but they aren't going to be the dominant narrative. Mm-hmm. You're going to be, you know, you're going to be focusing on something else. It doesn't leave as much room for all of that. And really, it's not there's no magic bullet. It is not something you can just turn off. And that's hard, but it's the consistency of your practice that can help change that over time. I've experienced that firsthand. It was really profound to go from being in a class and having all these thoughts about like they're doing better than you and you should be doing mm-hmm. more, all of these things that over time as I continued to practice and I breathed and I I paid attention to, okay, where is my body in space? Where is my arm supposed to be? These small details, they occupy your mind so you can find that quieter space within. Mm -hmm. And so there's like a parallel process and I want you to talk, if you can talk more about this, this idea of these things happening on the mat Mm where you're able to focus on the breath, your mind quiets. Like, how does that show up for people who've been practicing for a while, if they're practicing regularly? Mm-hmm. Like, what have you noticed? Oh, yeah. It's amazing. I think what happens is it's it's kind of like how we were talking about before about the process of yoga starts from the gross and moves to the subtle. This, In the same way, this process of learning to be okay with quiet and learning to kind of go to those softer places within, that also happens in the same way. So it starts on the mat in a very gross way where it's like, okay, you're doing poses. So you do all this active practice. And then at the end, you take the final resting pose, Shavasana. And so this is this way of sort of bringing you through active, an active state, work, effort, and then moving towards ease again. Mm -hmm. And so you kind of, you practice cycling through that in yoga class every time you go to class. And so what happens is over time, after you've been doing this for a while, that part of it becomes very natural. It's much easier to kind of zone in on your breath and on your body and to you know leave the competitive stuff and the judgmental stuff away. Mm-hmm. But what happens is over time, what I've found is that that then trickles off the mat and comes into my daily life. So when I find that you know I'm in a situation and you know I'm in a challenging situation with a friend or I'm in traffic and I get upset. I'm better able to observe. It's just like the stuff I've done on the mat has come with me and, and it helps me off the mat too. It's really amazing. And I think that's why I've kept up with it. You know, I mean, if, if yoga was an exercise trend, I would have been over it by now. Like it, it would not be that interesting to me. What's so interesting to me about yoga is it helps me to feel really great physically. I mean, better than anything I've ever done. I feel amazing after practicing yoga every time. Um, and then what's What's even more amazing than that to me is that I've gotten to know my mind. You know, I really understand my mind so much more. And that is why people keep coming back to it. You know, if it was just exercise, you'd go find the next exercise trend trend that pops up. But yoga is so special because it integrates the body and the mind and the breath. And these kind of three things loop together. Just they can change your daily experience of life. It's kind of amazing. That is pretty amazing. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I know going back to the breath it sounds so simple but it's simple it is very simple actually I am honestly I am a really big advocate for simplicity I am not huge you know when I practice so in yoga it's called pranayama it's the breath control Uh and there are many techniques out there to me the best technique is diaphragmatic breathing so when you're inhaling instead of you know sucking in your belly you're expanding your belly you're expanding your chest Mm -hmm. And then when you exhale, you're softening and relaxing, you know, shoulders, neck, all the effort of breathing. Mm -hmm. To me, that is my number one breathing practice. You know, there are lots of other great techniques, but I personally find that the more I can normalize yoga practice and the more I can make something 
just like regular part of my day, the more likely I am to do it and the more likely I am to see it kind of seep into my daily life. Mm-hmm. So I keep it really simple. And I think the, the, the complex part of it is, can you pay attention the whole way as you're inhaling all the way in and the whole way as you're exhaling? It is hard. You'd uh-huh. think that wouldn't be so hard, but you, you start inhaling and then halfway through, it's like, oh, need to put milk on my grocery list. And then, you know, you keep going. It's really, it's not, uh, not an easy thing at all, but it is simple. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, and then it creates, from what you've been talking about, so many changes. Mm-hmm. I mean, it can be the, just the benefits mm-hmm. of it. Um, I was curious, and I wanted to ask you this at the beginning because I'm just interested in this. What was it like to walk into, or do you even remember walking into your first yoga class? Oh, I remember so well, yes. What was that like? So I had been, as you were saying, I was an athlete. I was also a modern dancer. So, you know, I was very comfortable in the world of the body. And I um, started yoga in 96, and it was kind of, you know, the beginning of the craze of yoga. You know, it was, there were not, there was not a yoga studio on every corner yet, um, but, you know, it was, it was happening that it was really increasing. And I was in New York um, and went to a small studio in the East Village and, you know, walked in and I kind of felt like it was a club and I was a little intimidated. I was like, I don't know what this is about, but I got in there and you know, the teacher led us through these things and there were some foreign words I didn't know. And, you know, I found, I, I found myself feeling at home in my body, but like all this other stuff was new. And it was, it was similar to things I had done in dance and in gymnastics, but then totally different. And, you know, I just felt very enlivened. I remembered uh-huh. feeling just like, wow, muscles I didn't know, you know, muscles I haven't experienced and sensations I hadn't experienced. And the thing about it was the first relaxation pose, the first shavasana I did, I did not know what hit me. You know, I got up and I just was like, something really amazing happened. And I don't know exactly what it was, but I feel really different. And I felt like I just sort of floated down the stairs and went out and I was like, I don't know what that was, but I'm going back tomorrow. I do know that. And I did, you know, and I just, it spoke to me right away. And I think many people do have that experience of yoga especially when they land in a class that's really well suited to them. When you don't land in a class that's suited to you, you're not going to float out the door. Like if you're in a class that's really challenging or too advanced for your level, you're not going to have that experience. But, you know, there are many yogas out there, many types, many approaches, and there is really something for everybody. So if somebody is questioning, like what questions can somebody ask um, maybe in themselves or even of a studio Mm -hmm. to know if it's the right fit? That's a great question. I think that the just outright asking, do you work with beginners? And then finding out how do you work with beginners? You know, do you have props available? So if a studio does not have blocks or blankets or, you know, straps or bolsters, these kinds of things, then it's going to be difficult if you, if sitting cross-legged is difficult for you, when you put yourself up on a height, use blankets or blocks, that pose becomes so much different and so much more pleasant. If a studio does not have those kinds of things available or teachers do not know how to use those things, it's going to be a lot harder as a newer student because you need that kind of support. And a lot of times people think that you know supporting is a sign of weakness or that you're not good at yoga. It's really not the case. Every single body is different and so the poses are different on every single body. Um, so I'd say asking about, you know, do they work with beginners? Do they have props? And then I th- say the third big thing is what um, approach to yoga do they take? When you're first starting, if you do a very um, fast-paced, vigorous flowing style of yoga, um, sometimes called flow or vinyasa or that sort of thing, 
that can be a lot because you're still learning the basic shapes. Linking them in a rapid succession is kind of a lot to do. So I think taking an approach where you do have a little more time Mm -hmm. to set it up, to understand the alignment so that you're safe and that it feels good to you and you don't feel overwhelmed by it. Mm -hmm. Um, So I had a question just about, I know you'd started a program in the workplace. Mm -hmm. What is it called and tell me more about this. Okay. Workplace Wellness is our program where we bring yoga classes to an office environment. Mm -hmm. Um, This started because, again, building on the idea of making yoga accessible in daily life and making wellness accessible in daily life, Mm -hmm. the idea behind taking yoga into the workplace is that a lot of times the workplace can be a very stressful environment and also, well, also stressful on the body and on the mind. So we're all familiar with the, the mental stresses of the workplace. You know, when you have a deadline, when you're, when you are overworked, when your inbox is just overflowing with emails, these things can really affect both body and mind. Mm-hmm. Um, but the biggest stressor I think people are experiencing right now is that we do so much sitting and this is just really hard on the body and particularly with the device use you know phones and and tablets Mm -hmm. and even laptops like a lot of times they're not ergonomically set up and so we're getting into this forward head position and this can this is why I now hear way more often people talking about their neck and shoulders because we're, we're getting our spines out of alignment basically we're kind of retraining the muscles that support the spine and it's it's kind of to devastating effect mm-hmm. and there's been all these studies about how sitting is the new smoking and you know sitting down is really unhealthy so the idea behind workplace wellness was well how about bringing a little bit of yoga into your day and we can do anything from a traditional yoga class where you you know bring out yoga mats and you do a class that way or my great, great passion is to do it in a chair. So I'll go in and help people in their regular work clothes and we'll just do modified poses using a chair and using your desk where you are getting up out of your chair and you're basically just alleviating the common sources of strain and stress in the workplace. You know, you have a lot of hip issues when you're sitting a lot. There's length, uh, shortening of your hip flexors and your hamstrings and this can cause a lot of back pain and problems. So we just kind of, uh, you know, approach how to gently work the body out of those habits and patterns and get you moving again. Because movement is key. If you sit and you're sedentary, your spine is not happy. So it's it's a really nice program. And I love doing these um, as just, you know, a lunch and learn kind of a thing or as a series. It's been a really great thing that we've offered. And that really changes how people feel on a daily basis. So for somebody in the sh- who's not living in the Chicago area... Uh, where could they maybe find information on this program or something that they could integrate into their own office? Yeah, well, there are, you know, there there may be other um, people who do this in your local area. Also, we offer, I've done a, a series of YouTube videos that are just yoga at your desk, and they're just, you know, little two-minute clips of a, a pose you can do to refresh yourself after your day. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, just you'll be surprised how little it takes. Sometimes even just getting up out of your desk, you know, setting an alarm to go off every hour and a half to make sure you're not sitting for hours at a time, um, drinking water and making sure you're getting up to go refill your glass. These kinds of things can be really profound. Mm-hmm. Um, so f- resources, I'm always interested in hearing about books, videos, whatever, DVDs, whatever it might be for beginners. Are there any things, resources out there that you would recommend for a beginner? 
Yeah, there are some great books out there. Um, there's one that I really like a lot. It's called 30 Essential Yoga Poses for Beginning Students and Their Teachers, and it's by Judith Lassiter. And this book is lovely because it only covers a small number of poses, mm -hmm. and but it covers each one in great depth. And so it looks at a few different variations, and they're, they're very accessible. The pictures are beautiful. And um, also, Judith offers some really nice analogies that show you how you can take this physical practice of yoga and think about how does it apply to my mind? How does it apply to my emotional state? Mm -hmm. um, also, you know, just if you're looking to learn more about yoga, you know, yogajournal.com, they have a lot of great uh, breakdowns of poses. So they'll list a pose and then they kind of will tell you about the poses, the contraindications, the benefits, that sort of thing. And, and they've got nice pictures there as well. Okay, and I will also list those resources on my website so that people can find them. So Great. thank you. Um, just a couple more questions. Uh, there is research out there around the fact that people know that they are stressed, uh, know that this is a problem, and have a challenging time knowing what to do for themselves or even move into action. They may even say, I know what to do for myself, but it's hard to move. Um, what do you think blocks people from moving into action? I think that you know, I've done a lot of writing about this on my blog because it's something that I've struggled with and worked through myself. I think that it's important to understand that is we're not really culturally trained to prioritize self-care. And so I think knowing that you're stressed is one thing. But if you're stressed, most likely you have a very busy schedule during the week. And so you can say, well, I know I should go to yoga or I know I should get a massage. But if you don't make an actual adjustment to your schedule, there's no way for that to fit because it wasn't there before. Mm -hmm. And you know it can't just magically move its way in unless something else comes out. Okay. And so I talk a lot about, in, when, when I teach and in my writing, about prioritizing self-care just like you would caring for someone else. So you know whether it's a parent, whether it's your child, whether it's a pet, whether it's your garden, you make a priority and a commitment to care for someone else and then you follow through. It's much easier to not do that for yourself because we tend to not hold ourselves accountable for that. Mm -hmm. We can kind of just sort of push it along the road. So I think that um, not apologizing for taking care of yourself, not explaining it away, but just saying self-care is important and I'm going to do it. Mm -hmm. And carving out a space, taking out something else and, and putting it in your actual schedule. That I found has been amazing. When you're trying to do something for the first time, write it in your calendar. Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. And along similar lines, I sometimes hear from people and have had this experience myself that I know if I go to yoga, I'll feel better. Like, know that will happen. There'll be the after benefits. Uh, what do you think can get people moving back to their mats? Mm -hmm. uh, well, I think that along the same lines of, you know, with the idea of prioritizing self-care, if you know when you know what the effect is of taking that action, because it requires some effort, you know, it requires the effort of going and doing it and committing to it. If you can then, after you've done the thing, reflect on how the thing made you feel, you're going to be much more likely to recognize the benefit both in that moment and then the next time around. Mm -hmm. So for example, at the end of my yoga classes, before we close the class, I'll have my students sit up tall, close their eyes, take a few breaths, and I'll invite them to just observe. How did it feel to do something for body and mind? Mm -hmm. What was the effect of doing this? Because anytime you want to make a change, if you don't know where you are, or if you don't know the effect of the change you want to create, it's very unlikely that it's going to take hold. 
So I think that, again, it all comes back to mindfulness. If you can be mindful of how your actions make you feel, and if you can repeat that over and over, it begins to become just a part of you. Well, this has been great. Thank you so much for being willing to be part of an interview and talk and talk yoga. You've provided so much great information today. Thank you so much. It was an absolute pleasure. Yeah. And so again, people come out to celebrate if you're in the Chicago area at Bloom Yoga Studio on November 22nd, 22nd, 10 year anniversary. That's yes. pretty exciting. Thank so, you. <laughs> congratulations. Thanks so much. All right. Goodbye and goodbye to all of you. Thanks again for listening to this episode six. Please email me with your questions or comments, Kathleen at onthebluecouch.com. Until next time, take good care.